Hey, you guys, we're so grateful to have Eric Jensen with us. Um, he is a native of Memphis, Tennessee, and he's going to talk about his music that he's released recently and then also talk about what's called trap jazz. And I think it'd be really great for us to learn more about that. But we're so grateful to have Eric here, and I'm a big fan of his music. And so I asked him to be a part, and we're so grateful for him to be here. How are you feeling, Eric? I'm great, man. How are you doing? Great. We're, so gr- we're so grateful to have you here. No, I appreciate this. This is your podcast is great. I really like who you're uh, talking to, and it's a it's a great platform. So I appreciate it. Well, we really appreciate you. And so let's kind of get started with just who inspired you to make music when you first started. Um, I guess well, the first time I started actually creating my own music was um, I was probably in like second grade or first grade maybe, and I remember this um, girl in my class. I would she like lived across the street from me. It's funny I haven't I haven't thought about the story and. Probably ever until you asked me this, but um, she, uh, I would go. Her, she had an older brother who played basketball, and I was playing basketball with him. And then he had a piano. I remember, like, when, when you know, got some water in their house, or whatever. And he had a piano, and he sat down and played some stuff. And I like, it was the first time I'd ever like touched a piano, and I got on it. And um, I remember I, there's, uh, it's funny because I, it's, it's interesting you asked me this because I just started uh, playing this song that the first song I ever made when I was in like first grade or whatever. Um, based on this event, but I went on his piano and I remember looking at it and I, I, I was touching the black keys and I noticed that if I played the black keys on the left hand and the right hand, I could kind of come up with some melodies with like a, uh, with like a bass line to it and it all worked out. And I, I, I only mentioned that cause I was playing it again recently thinking like, what scale is that even doing? You know, and it, it turns out like, you know, the E flat minor pentatonic is all the black notes. So if you play the black keys on a piano, it's all going to sound you know, it's going to sound good. Um, and so that was the first time I like, kind of like, I remember like even like the lick that I was playing that felt like, um, something worth listening to. Uh, I was, it's funny because I kind of want to make a beat out of it now just to see if, how it would sound. But, uh, yeah, that was kind of the inspiration for it. Um, and he like, you know, he was playing Beethoven's like for Elise, which kind of is like the go-to piano song. Uh, and I remember trying to learn that as a kid. And then at one point I took lessons for about a year, I think in like seventh grade, uh, I took some piano lessons and that really kind of, uh, that was, that was, that was good in the sense that it really got me inspired to learn the music theory behind it all. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I started playing, I wanted to play saxophone in fourth grade, but they wouldn't let you, uh, for some reason, it's funny. I think it, it was probably not true, but the band director would tell people you couldn't play saxophone without playing clarinet for a year first. Uh, and, and he, somehow like attributed it to that you would like mess up your something in your throat if you went straight to saxophone and i think it was in hindsight i think it was a lie i think he just probably had so many i think he had so many people wanting to play saxophone and not enough people wanting to play clarinet so that was a way to like get people to spread out a little bit but uh yeah so that is so funny like my mom used to play clarinet she told me when she was in high school and then when she was in college she just decided not to play anymore but it was just so interesting when you brought that story up it just kind of shows you like when you go back to when you're younger and just those experiences it can just (laughs) it kind of shifts you know as you get older but just showing just at a young age that you had a passion for music and I think that's amazing because I know in high school you made music and um can you kind of tell me about your high school experience about being in the band and arranging music in high school yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah, in high school, um, I was I was definitely getting more serious about it in high school. I remember in seventh grade, I wanted to be part of the what they called like the honor band, and that was really designated for only people that were uh, 
in high school, like you had to be in, in ninth through 12th grade or whatever. And, but in seventh grade, I'm like, man, there's gotta be a way I can get into this band. And I asked like, what do you have to do? And they say you had to play like to try out for it. You had to know all 12 scales, um, you know, all the scales and all the keys. And, uh, and I was like, okay, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to like really, you know, put my nose to the grindstone and learn all, all the scales and 12 keys. And, and I ended up getting into the band, uh, the honor band in seventh grade. Um, and so that was like a really, that kind of motivated me in a sense. I was like, okay, wow, like I can really make something happen with this. Like, you know, it kind of showed me that there weren't boundaries, I guess, in a sense. Um, but, uh, yeah. And then I was doing, I was in jazz. They had like this jazz band. It was more of like a jazz combo. It was, you know, like bass, drums, keys, sax, uh, guitar and trumpet. Um, but all the guys were phenomenal players. I mean, they, they still are phenomenal players. I mean, uh, the drummer, Stanley Randolph, he's, he was like playing drums for Prince. He's, he's, he's been playing drums with Stevie Wonder now, like touring the world for years. Um, KT Townsend, like he was like Christina Aguilera's keyboardist and Brandon Brown's doing his thing, you know, playing all over the world. So like these guys were just like, I, I just got very lucky that all the guys I was playing with were just like, you know, musical phenoms or whatever, you know? So, um, that was fun. And, and that really kind of pushed me. And actually speaking of the keyboardist, uh, KT Townsend, he, I remember one day after our jazz rehearsal, uh, the jazz quartet rehearsal or whatever, he um, he showed me his, he had a Korg Triton and it was back in the day where like, I guess they still make them like this, but they had a floppy disk and everything in them and you could like save stuff that you made and sequence it out. And he pressed play on one of these uh, mm -hmm. sequences that he'd made and it was, it was a beat essentially, you know what I mean? It had like trap drums and a piano line to it and bass and strings and all that. And I was blown away. I'd never seen a keyboard that had a sequencer like that. Um, so that really opened my eyes to the idea that you could, you know, you could sequence out music and do and play all the parts on your own. Um, and so when he showed me that, I like immediately went to Craigslist and was like looking for something similar. I didn't end up getting a Triton. I got the Trinity, the Korg Trinity, because it's like a little bit cheaper. I think it's like the younger brother of the, the Triton. But yeah, that that got me on to like, okay, let me see what I can make on this thing. So that was mm -hmm. really a, a pivotal moment for me. I think that's really cool. And what what goes into like your creative process when you're creating a song or or thinking about an arrangement? What goes into that process for you? Um, what goes into so what was in particular with like the trap jazz? And I guess I should like maybe explain a little bit of what that is. And that's just kind of like a loose term that people have been using just because it kind of combines it's not always trap production but i love trap like i love anything that has 808s in it like i grew up in, like like you said in memphis tennessee so I, I was surrounded with like three six mafia and project pat and all these guys and and so so that type of sound was like a huge influence on me um and then but also I was playing saxophone and I was playing in jazz combos and that kind of stuff so i had like kind of these two worlds they didn't seem to have a lot of crossover. Um, and so, and, and, and ironically, I remember even when I was studying, you know, saxophone in college, they always told you like to be good at saxophone, you gotta, you got, you know, or, or jazz, I should say, you gotta listen to a lot of jazz. And I wasn't listening to a lot of jazz. And so I kind of felt like, uh, like I was, uh, I don't know, like I was doing something wrong. I was like, well, I mean, I'm pretty decent at jazz, but I'm, not, I'm definitely not listening to a lot of it. 
And I'm thinking like, well, what could I do that would like make it more interesting to me? Not to say that jazz wasn't interesting, but it's just like, there was part of it that was missing for me personally, where like, I just sonically, I wanted to have something that was hitting hard too. Like I wanted jazz that, you know, would, would rattle the system in your car. You know what I mean? Like it had some, some punch to it. And you know, a lot of times in these bands, sometimes the, the drum set, they wouldn't even use the kick drum or they would just be like brushing the snare with some brushes and, you know, the riding the cymbals. And like, it just wasn't really sonically what I was, it was like, uh, it didn't have the energy that I was interested in personally. Um, you know, there's a time and place for it and all, but, uh, so yeah, that was kind of like the, I guess the, the catalyst for the inspiration of why I wanted to try to combine those two genres. And, um, and when I noticed, you know, it's ironic because there is a lot of jazz already in hip hop. I mean, a lot of, you know, DJ Premier, I mean, he samples the hell out of jazz records. And so there's a lot of it. Yeah. But, and I, and I noticed though, like even with the stuff that's coming out now, whenever oh, you yeah. see hip hop and jazz crossover, it's, it tends to lean more boom bap, which, and I have no problem with like boom bap hip hop production, but it's not what I make personally. Um, and, you know, or like lo-fi music. I don't make lo-fi, but mm-hmm. there's a lot of jazz and lo-fi. Um, so for me, like kind of my litmus test was like, I want to make beats, you know, keep making the beats that I make, which is more mainstream sounding. Like I like current sounding music. I like, you know, what little baby's doing and like Roddy Rich and young thug and all these guys. So like, I'm trying to make beats that if you took off the saxophone, it would still be competitive with whatever, you know, these guys or girls are, are rapping or singing over, you know? So that was kind of what, how I looked at it. Like, let me see what I can make. that still has like a commercial appeal to it, but instead of having a rapper or a singer over it, you've got a saxophonist or a trumpet player or a guitarist and they're improving during the verses. And then you've got a chorus that, you know, a chorus melody that comes back to you. So it's still structured very similarly to a, you know, a typical song you hear on the radio, it starts with the intro and you got a chorus and you got a verse, chorus, verse, chorus, you know, it's uh, like a tried and true formula. I mean, that's typically, it's not always how it's structured out, but that's kind of, um, you know, it, it, it goes more in lines with that structure versus like a traditional jazz standard structure. And I love that. Like growing up for me, just like listening to like Prince, who's like one of the most, the biggest musical geniuses. Oh, yeah. Of, of all time and just kind of hearing his music and then even like when you go to Whitney Houston what I always love you and having that kind of solo you know moment to hear an instrument outside of her voice and then even like with the Grammys you get to see so many crossovers where you see rap artists with musicians or maybe different genres you know pretty much going together and when I hear your music it kind of reminds me of jazz and the, the trap music it's kind of like a marriage like both of those two go mm-hmm. really well together but it's also the person and the intent that you have behind your music. And that's one thing I love about when you think of like singer songwriters, when you think of musicians and you have so many creative people in the process together, you can create such amazing music. And so that's when I've heard your music and we're going to kind of talk about um, your new song seed. I think that's something that people kind of need to know a lot about. Um, But when we talk about just you in general with music, um, who was your biggest musical influence? Like when you really realized I wanted to be a musician, was there a specific artist or someone that really inspired you? Hmm. Um, specific artist. I'm trying to think. Um, I know I put you on the spot, Eric. You're like, wait a minute. Uh, <laughs> it's such a tough question. That's like when someone's like, what's your favorite artist? It always makes you feel like, you know, if you say something like Nirvana, it's like, well, like I'm not listening to rock like that anymore, but I, I listened to the hell. I mean, Nirvana was like the first, right. 
I, I'm, it was the first cassette I bought was uh, Nirvana's Nevermind. And then like the first CD I bought was Metallica's Black Album. Yeah. So like, but if you look at that, you think I'm some big, you know, rock fan. And I am, but like, that's not what I'm typically listening to these days. Um, but that was yeah. definitely huge for me. Those, those influences. Yeah, I love Nirvana. And when you think of like even now, like we have, you know, Green Day has been a big influence for a lot of people. We have Corn, you know, like different bands that we can think of. But then you have like bands like Journey. Mm-hmm. And when you go further back, I mean, and I yeah. love like Frank Sinatra and just seeing like even today when we think mm-hmm. of like Lady Gaga and what she's done and crossing over from jazz to pop. And, you know, I think that that makes people eclectic when they can kind of take different genres and make it work for them. So, yeah, yeah. I, w- I mean, I would definitely say as far as hip hop, though, I mean, Dr. Dre, I, like the 2001 album like that for me was like just the sonics, like his ear for for sonics was just so in dialed in. You know what I mean? Like he's just so in tune with like what sound selection, yeah. like the sounds that work well together and just like his even the mixes were just so on point. Um and then, and like, and his timing was different too. I mean, a lot of the like typical trap music is very quantized, meaning it's very like if you got the, the hi hats playing sixteenth notes, it's very structured, like right on the grid, hundred percent. Whereas, you know, like that was the, one of the first times I'd really listened to hip hop that had a little bit more like I've heard some people refer to it as like the push pull feel, where like maybe like the the downbeat hi hat is, is is on beat for the most part, but then like the upbeat one is like maybe behind the beat a little bit, but not fully behind the beat where it's like it feels like it's swung, but it's just an in between. So it has kind of like this weird dragging feel to it, but it's cool. It, it grooves and it almost kind of forces you to like nod your head to it because you're trying to keep the beat going almost internally. Um, so yeah, Dr. Dre was huge for for production and as far as the beginning goes. I think that's cool. And I, I love Dr. Dre. And it just, when we think of just NWA and we think of other things, like there's so many things that have changed over time. And when you think of sampling, that's a huge thing in music where you see so many artists that are now sampling music from, you know, 20, 30 years ago. I know like even like recently Aaliyah, um, finally her music is being able to be streamed after, you know, over 20 years and just how Normani as an example, who has her latest song that has a, it's pretty much sounds like the sample um, of Aaliyah song and just when you hear that it kind of takes you back to mm. those moments in music and I, I love all types of genres and I love that you said three six mafia because of course with them um, if I'm not mistaken didn't they win an Oscar if I'm correct yeah they did it was, it was wild I'm trying to remember what year that was it might have been like early like 2002 or something 2001 they won that but yeah it was i think they were they they set some kind of record for that i don't know if they were like the first rap group to win an oscar but i think they might have been actually i i think so and did you you graduated in 2002 yeah okay so that's cool i mean just thinking about that's someone i looked up to and they're on a grand stage and being able to win not only a prestigious award but it did a lot for music um oh yeah and and at the time in high school too like three six mafia was huge but only like we thought they were huge but that was like almost like more like the tri-state area but like it wasn't they weren't like a household name until like way later you know what i mean so um it was cool to see like them kind of get their accolades later on like that because you're like wow like you know they were they were big in like that local market but like they really became like people knew their their music I, i think uh was I think Stay High was kind of like their big commercial success besides the uh, the movie and everything. But uh, yeah, it was, yeah. 
it was funny because every club was playing them. Like it, it kind of felt special because like it, it felt like in the South, like it was like this hidden gem that the rest of the country didn't really know about, but we did. And so everyone would always bump the music, whether it was like the club or the, you know, the car, everyone was, you know, you go down Memphis, Beale Street, everyone's is, is rock on three, six. So it was, it was a cool time. And that's what I love, like me being from New Orleans, like my main ones, we like the Hot Boys and going back to like Little Wayne before he became mm. a bigger star juvenile, you know, just yeah. like just knowing that genre and that it was definitely during my childhood and just remembering what it took for them to get to where they are. But that's one thing I love about success is like you mentioned, it doesn't have a certain age, like you can still be in your 40s, 50s and still start off as um, in the music industry. And some people start off really young and have long careers, but one thing I do admire with you yeah. is that you do inspire people being an engineer, being a producer and a musician and playing a saxophone. That's just, that takes a lot of you know effort. And I think you do an amazing job at it. Oh, thank you. Yeah. It's, it's funny. Cause uh, sometimes you feel like what's that quote that people always throw around like the Jack of all trades, master of none. Um, mm-hmm. and, and, and I remember sometimes feeling like, man, is that like a bad thing? Like, am I, should I be like more focused on, you know, on one thing like engineering or just focus on our production and not get too uh, caught up with the other stuff. But uh, then recently I remember hearing like the full quote on that. I'm trying to remember now. It was like, uh, I almost want to look it up. It's like Jack of all trades, master of none, though it's often better to be master of one or something like that. So like we almost kind of cut that quote short and got so used to hearing that it's, you know, jack of all trades, master of none. Like it was bad to be a jack of all trades. But if you hear the full quote, the rest of it is like, but it's actually better to be a master. Um, oftentimes better master of one. I, I'm just Googling it on the, on the fly with you. And that's actually not the, the right ending to it. But whatever the full quote is, it ends up finishing like, yeah, like it's, it is good to be a, a jack of all trades. I totally butchered the whole story behind that. And it would have landed better if I, if I knew, <laughs> knew the full quote, but, uh, but that was like good to hear. Cause I was like, man, like, okay, I feel like a little bit more like affirmed that like, it's good to like, to branch out and, and kind of always be interested in different things because, you know, in the engineering side, I, I went to, I was interning as an engineer knowing I wasn't going to be an engineer, but I wanted to make my mixes sound better. So I was like, okay, how do you make your mixes sound better? Okay. You got to go to a mix engineer. Okay. Let me, let me learn the mix engineering side of things. So that was kind of the push for me to like, to get into that world. And, you know, even saxophone, I went to school for saxophone, but I knew I wasn't going to be a, like a performing jazz artist, you know, or a performer. Um, but I just wanted to like keep, you know, learning music and, and theory and all that kind of stuff. So, so saxophone was kind of the, the vehicle to get me there. So, um, yeah, it's been, it's definitely been beneficial just to kind of have my hand in a lot of the different aspects of music for sure. And I love that. Like you mentioned, um, I think like a lot of times we put ourselves in a box and we tell ourselves what we can't do, or maybe based on other people's maybe measure of success. And I think like success is literally what you see in yourself and what goals you set. And then the great thing about life, you can revise any goal that you set. So if there's a goal that was maybe a lofty goal that maybe when you think about, it, I couldn't do it in this time frame. COVID-19 has kind of shown all of us that, you know, even goals mm-hmm. and aspirations we've set, things have had that kind of shift. Um, and I kind of want to segue, segue that into how has it shifted for you as far as music since COVID-19? Has it increased a more online presence or have you noticed um, even with live shows and things going on, um, how has that affected you per se? 
Uh, yeah, I mean, it's interesting because I actually, I only started releasing the trap jazz music during COVID and COVID was kind of honestly like my excuse to pursue that like passion project because there was years, I mean, I've been wanting to do this for like 12 years now. Um, but the beginning, you know, like, you know, I was younger. There wasn't, I didn't have like money to be hiring people to, to perform because each of these, each of the records I released for the most part features another artist on it. Um, and so like, you know, trying to like hit up people that are like, you know, doing tours and stuff like that and be like, Hey, would you mind recording a bunch of, you know, takes over my beats? Like, you know, it's just not something that people are like having the extra time to do. So during COVID, I was like, let me really spend some time reaching out and, and making some connections and relationships with these like most talented artists I could find online. Um, and then when we, so my girlfriend, she's, uh, she got her residency down and, uh, or she matched her residency, I should say down here in Houston, Texas, when we were living in New York, uh, this is back in, um, March of last year. And so that, that was why we moved from, we were living in New York. I was there for 12 years. She was there for about 15 years. Uh, so once we found out she was matching down here, we were like, okay, like we got online that day, found an apartment down here, moved down within a month. And, um, that was like, for me, I, I was always also doing real estate to kind of help pay the bills. And I was thinking, okay, like maybe this is the time to not go back into another real estate gig. Like, you know, it's COVID like there's, I think part of me didn't want to leave real estate because, you know, you're always worried about like, well, what's it going to look like if I have this big hole in my resume for a year and a half or so. Um, you know, you don't want to tell people I was just making beats, you know, during that time. So um, so I was like, okay, like, I guess COVID's kind of the excuse for why I don't need to jump back into a real estate, um, situation. So, you know, I saved up some money with real estate and all that. And I was like, this is like the time, like, let me just, uh, really get serious with, uh, with trying this out. Cause it was always the, the trap jazz thing was always something I wanted to do. I just never could find the, the extra time to do it. So yeah, I mean, in some ways, like, I mean, COVID has been a, a horrible situation for so many people. Uh, and I totally appreciate that. Um, but for me, I mean, that was the only kind of like silver lining with COVID was like, it, it gave me an excuse to really kind of, uh, get serious with this project. And and you're right about that. And I always tell people when, when it comes to COVID that, you know, for the people like us who are survivors and who are still here at this time, it, it's definitely very stressful because you don't want to be excited for some of the success you have at times. Cause some people, so many people have lost their lives or experienced things. But I think when you look at, um, where we are now and we're very resilient people that we can kind of work through a lot of situations and be able to find happiness and I think for a lot of people who are suffering that's what your music can do for people it's a healing you know properties in just listening to music and being able to be in a different headspace that's what I loved about when I searched you and heard your music and I want to really talk about the song Seed do you mind kind of sharing that with us and kind of what went into the process of creating that song mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. That it's funny. That was the uh, I was sitting on that beat for about two years, and I, I always kind of felt that that there was something special about that track. And it wasn't that the like the music behind it was, or at least the production behind it was uh, like super um, complicated necessarily. But sometimes like the better songs aren't necessarily complicated. It just kind of works, you know. Like it's like I've been working with this producer uh, T minus. I don't know if you've heard of him, but he's made some of the biggest hits for like. Nicki Minaj, like he did Nicki Minaj's uh, Moment for Life. He did She Will for Lil Wayne and Drake and Rick Ross. And um, I'm trying to think, like recently he did J. Cole's Middle Child. So he's just, he's done like, he's probably one of my favorite 
producers that's that's making music right now. Um, not even probably. He, he definitely is. He is very. He's got a very musical ear and and all that. And he actually um, he hit me up uh, a couple months ago and, and was asking like maybe we could like collab. And he was like asking me to send some loops his way. Uh, meaning like basically like when like some people are doing this thing now where you you send them music that doesn't have like the drums and bass and that allows the other um, collaborating producer to to kind of add their own spin to it with their own usually you, it's you take out the bass just so that they have the opportunity because usually the bass can dictate what kind of drums would also go with it so if you take off the bass that allows them to be more flexible they can kind of do their own thing but anyway I, I'm just mentioning that because he was always telling me like listen, like less is more, you know what I mean? Like, don't, don't feel like you got to make everything like overly musical and like put so many chords. Like sometimes you got to pull back from the chords and some of his biggest hits he was showing, he was telling me, it's like, man, like a lot of these hits don't even have chords. It's like, you know, you got the baseline and that kind of like, that kind of dictates the, uh, the progression, like the chord progression and all that. And then like the melody on top of that will imply chords, but you don't got to go too wild with it. You know what I mean? Cause it's, it's, um, and it's it's a it's an interesting balance, you know what I mean? Because you always want to feel like you're giving the listener enough to like, you know, be interested in. But sometimes it's like the pulling back of certain things and adding space that is uh, can really what like you know set something off, I guess. But uh, yeah, with with seed, it wasn't like you know it was just kind of like a simple. Um, it was a it was a guitar melody that I actually played using a, a patch from Omnisphere. It's like a I can't remember the name of that patch, but it was it sounds. It, it actually sounds like a guitar, but it, but it's not trying to be a guitar. I mean, it still has kind of like a synth quality to it. Um, but anyway, I'd, I'd made that beat. And then whenever I make these songs, I always try to add a, a chorus melody with saxophone first. And that kind of lets me know, like, is this going to work or not? Because sometimes these beats, I'll, I'll think, okay, this is going to be perfect for the project. And I'll sit there and I'll try to make a melody with saxophone over it. And it just doesn't work. And, you, and there's really no way of knowing unless you just try it out and and sometimes the best like the beats you think are going to work the best don't work at all and it's the opposite with some of the other ones um but that one i like i like just landed on this melody that it just worked like right away and i was like okay this one feels special and um but i always try to hire um a different featured artist of you know saxophonist that's better than me i mean you know i i took off like 12 years from playing saxophone after graduating from from school i didn't touch it for literally 12 years um, so I'm, I'm always, but I still can like, you know, do the melodies and, and get everything I want down. Um, so I was like, let me find, you know, the, a really like the perfect artist for it. And Evan Jacobson, he's really been doing his thing online and, um, he's huge now on like TikTok and Instagram. I reached out to him and, and he laid two takes down and I just, I go through and I edit it all out, you know, like the takes I want and it just came together perfectly. And, uh, yeah, I'm really proud of that, that track, that one really. That's that one's special for me. It's definitely special. And if you guys have not heard of it, can you tell them where can they find it? Yeah, Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube. Just search Eric Jensen, J-E-N-S-E-N. All right. And so the last question I have for you, um, I thought this is always a great way to end. Um, And I would like to ask, if you could tell your younger self one piece of advice, what would you tell yourself? Hmm. Man, that's good. Um, let's see. I would just say stay consistent, you know, like I think consistency is king and it's usually when you start taking time off and doubting yourself, that's where you can like set yourself back. 
as long as you're just pushing, trying to be better than you were the day before, it's always, that's always going to keep you going. It's going to keep you motivated. It's going to keep you, you're always going to feel better about what you're doing. Your, your latest music is always kind of like your favorite music. Like whenever someone says like, play your favorite track, it's always like the last track I made. So just stay consistent. Um, and you know, and usually good things will happen. So. Well, I really appreciate you, Eric, being a part of this. And do you mind giving your handles for people so they know how to find you online? Sure. It's uh, so all the handles are all uh, at Eric Jensen music. So E-R-I-C and then J-E-N-S-E-N music. So, yeah, um, I'm on TikTok now. So TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, all that stuff. Well, we really appreciate you, Eric. And I'm glad that I met you online and I'm I want nothing but the best for you in your personal life as well as your music career. I think you have a lot of great, not only you have a great heart and you have a great ability to connect with people, but hopefully the world will be able to see more from you very soon and that you will continue to grow because wherever you are right now, you're doing such a great job. And I think that you can go even higher than where you are. And I think you have a lot of potential. So we're, we're so grateful to have wow. your part. No, I really appreciate that. That means a lot. I really appreciate the kind words for real. So yeah, and this is uh, an amazing podcast. I'm glad to uh, be one of the uh, the first on here. I feel like uh, I've been blessed in that way. So appreciate you. Absolutely. We would love to have you back. So you have new music coming up. Let us know and we would love to have you back to share it. Yes, sir. I appreciate it. Thank you. All right. No problem, Eric. And you guys, let's remember to embrace our uniqueness because the world is our canvas. All right. You have a great evening, Eric. You as well. All right. Bye-bye. I'm not afraid.